This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. This is the Tuesday show where we talk about some news from the restaurant world and also a couple of recent meals that might be of interest. To do that, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is a former commercial real estate developer and a marketing expert. Monica Dano, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Memorial Area favorite Jonathan's The Rub has claimed the former Acadian Coast slash Gatsby's Girl Space on Navigation for their third location. Monica, I know you kind of work out in that energy corridor Memorial Area. Have you made it to Jonathan's The Rub recently? I was just there last week for a customer dinner. Hadn't been in a while, but uh, yeah, the new location is, uh, they've done a good job there, but um, yeah, I have. What do you think? I mean, I have a couple of thoughts, but I, I'll, I'll let you go first. So I got to know Jesse and Jonathan a few years ago when we were chatting with them about potentially doing a restaurant somewhere, a couple of different locations. You know, every time we'd get something come up, we'd give them a call and it always ended up being great conversation. They had lots of good ideas, intention of expanding, and it just kind of never went anywhere. Um, And I had heard about their East End expansion uh, several months ago. Someone kind of tipped me off that they were thinking of going somewhere on the East End, which I thought was really interesting for their brand. Um, You know, I know them from a, like you said, Memorial Energy Corridor, I-10, that's kind of been their thing. And it seems like a little bit more of an upper scale, upscale crowd, business crowd, business heavy, Um, the new location on Memorial, you know, we went for a business dinner great wine list, good salads and pastas. So, you know, I'm interested in this location for them. I know that they have been interested in finding a second generation space as do most people that are you know, trying not to spend a million dollars building out a restaurant, but I don't know, you know, with that concept, um, I feel like supporting kind of a working um, business lunch. um, I don't know that they're going to find that in the East end. Yeah, you know, I I think it's an interesting choice for them because like you, I mean, I sort of think of it as, especially that Memorial Green location, as you alluded to, is a pretty upscale, almost steakhouse kind of experience. Yeah, exactly. With a high-end wine list and and a really, you know, thorough cocktail program that our our friend Linda Salinas developed for them. You know, the the original location that that moved uh, from one side of I-10 to the other uh, was maybe a little more casual, kind of leaned more on that Italian aspect, that Italian American aspect of the menu, yeah. and some of those signature items like the lobster tacos and uh, some of the seafood items. So, so that's always been maybe a little more casual. But yeah, I mean, I'll you know, it's a, I'll I'll kind of be curious to see what they do with this. And and the one thing that that makes me think that they're going maybe a little more casual, kind of leaning towards that end, is that they said they're going to add 
New York style pizza to the menu, which is something they've never served before. But, but if you know, you know, Jonathan is a, is a New Yorker and, and like I said, you know, chicken parm and lasagna and spaghetti and all that stuff has kind of always been on the, on the Jonathan's menu. So adding pizza makes a certain amount of sense to me and would help it get to that slightly lower price point. That's maybe a better fit for the East end, which is obviously not as affluent as, you know, Memorial or even, you know, that kind of Memorial Village's spring branch, like it's, it's home base. Yeah, no, I agree. I think when I think of East end, I think younger crowds, late night, casual, um, this, this would really kind of be the first Memorial-esque, I like that, um, restaurant to try to give it a go in that neighborhood. So I'm very interested to see what happens. Um, I think you're right with adding the pizza. Maybe it's, um, you know, making it a little bit more casual, but I, I do, I'll, I'll give an example, the, the location that moved across the freeway, which was their original location and they moved it is in the bottom of a, 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 a business building. Right. And I went there, I don't know, probably right after it opened three years ago or so 1145 on a Tuesday, I think it was, there was a wait. <laughs> there was, it was hopping. It was one of those situations where you're not expecting. I opened the door. Every table was full. People were sitting at the bar. I mean, this was a Tuesday lunch. So I know they get that crowd. I mean, being in Memorial for so long and being amongst all those businesses, I think they are perfectly suited for that sort of location. Again, with the new location on Memorial, I went last week. You're right, kind of more of a high-end steakhouse feel, at least. The menu is not that different. Um, lots of seafood-heavy dishes. Love their salads. A good, great selection of salads. Um, but I just have a hard time picturing that concept in the East End. And, you know, Jonathan and Jesse are smart people. They're smart operators. I do think they're going to figure it out. Um, but, yeah, it was a little surprising when I found out about the location. Yeah, I, I think if they, you know, like I said, they're, they're going to do pizza, you know, Jonathan's has always had great burgers, like you said, salads. I think if they kind of lean into that aspect of the menu, maybe dial back the steaks a little bit or maybe swap prime steaks for choice steaks, something like that, get them at a, a slightly lower price point. I, I think they might, I think they might capture something because that neighborhood is changing so fast. I mean, you know, there's a ton of apartment construction, townhouse construction, houses being renovated. We've talked a little bit on the show about East River, the big uh, midway development that's happening a little bit north of there along the bayou. So change is coming and it and I, I kind of understand wanting to be, you know, maybe in the vanguard of that and establish a presence so that, you know, when people inevitably move to this area that that they see a brand that they recognize and, and want to patronize. And then, you know, the other thing that sort of occurs to me is that, you know, you're basically right across the street from uh, both El Tiempo and Nidfa's. And I don't know if you've eaten at either of those two restaurants recently, but it ain't cheap. So, you know, if you can spend a hundred and something dollars on a fajita dinner for two with a couple of margaritas each, like, well, you could probably spend that. I mean, you know, that's probably what you're looking at spending on dinner for two at Jonathan's The Rub. And and certainly those two restaurants do a a brisk lunch business. So I I think it's just a matter of, you know, they're going to have to kind of lean into marketing and make sure people know that they're there. Yeah. But if they can kind of, you know, their fans who know them from Memorial, when they go to Astros games or Dynamo games or come downtown for an event, or if they work downtown or are looking for a, a happy hour spot or a lunch spot or something, I mean, if they can 
kind of start with that audience and and build with the neighborhood. I, you know, like you said, they're they're smart operators. I, I they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't, you know, have some sort of plan for yeah. spreading the word. Yeah, I just wonder why not go into East River. I mean, if they're thinking of that area, um, like you said, there's been several failed attempts at restaurant in that location. Um, and and you talk about Nevas and El Tiempo; those are destination places that people have been going to for years. And even Nymphas and El Tiempo, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say you could walk there from the ballparks, but they even having, we're having to shuttle people over there during ball games. So, you know, there's, it's not the distance that the downtown, you know, lunch crowd is just going to hop over to, and maybe they'll get some of that. Um, I, you know, I fear that downtown hasn't, you know, hasn't come back from COVID, right. As far as daytime diners. So is there enough to sustain that as a regular with all the dining options that are actually downtown that you know downtown business people can walk to? It's just a little bit out far of that that I think that people would pop over for lunch. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, of course, will see uh, how that shakes out. But but yes, I, I did mention there have been a couple of restaurants in that in that location. I I don't know. I had someone say, oh, it's it's cursed. You know, because oh. Acadian, because Acadian Coast and Gatsby's Grill, I, I gotta say, I don't, I don't know at what point a location does or doesn't earn that sort of reputation, but I, I don't know that either of those two restaurants were well executed enough that you can, that you can definitely say that it's the space's fault, right? I, I think, I think yeah. Jonathan's the rub is going to bring a level of professionalism that that I maybe agree. neither of those two uh, former establishments ever quite achieved. Yeah, no, well said. I definitely think that this is a, the most superior operator that's been in that space. So, you know, I hope they figure it out. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, we'll probably had Jonathan on the show before, but we'll probably uh, rope him back in here to uh, to see what's what and, and talk about uh, this new location and kind of what what he's been up to. I think I think that's going to have to happen. Yeah, no, he's an entertaining guy. I would love to see him on the show again. Yes, absolutely. All right, and then let's move on to topic number two. Medium Rare, a Washington, D.C.-based restaurant, has claimed the former artisan space in Midtown for its first Houston location. Monica, it's a somewhat unusual restaurant in that they only serve one entree at dinner and a prefix menu, and that is steak frites with bread and a salad. And if you're a vegetarian, you can swap the steak for a portobello mushroom with a red pepper glaze. Now, the, the other interesting thing is that the, it's priced right. Their locations in Washington, and they just opened in New Orleans, that dinner is $28.95, which is pretty good for a steak dinner. And then you can obviously, you can add wine, you can add cocktails, you can add a big dessert. But, you know, if you do it right, you're having a steak dinner for, I don't know, you say you say you get a cocktail or a glass of wine. Tax and tip, you get a that steak dinner for fifty bucks. Uh, it's pretty reasonable this day and age. So, uh, what do you think about the prospects of medium rare in Midtown? You know, I, I saw on your pre-show notes that it's interesting that these sort of concepts tend to uh, navigate towards Midtown, which is kind of just this in-between neighborhood that is mix of everything. And I, I think you're right; it's an interesting input. You know, I feel like these sort of concept restaurants. I looked at the other locations. I think there's one in New Orleans. Did they have one in Dallas? Uh, no, sorry. Um, Dallas and DC, I think. 
the the greater DC area. Yeah, and it feels a little touristy to me, being you know DC, even in New Orleans. I'm not sure. It looks like they're on a magazine, so more of kind of visitors are there and popping in. But you know, I think that as with many of these kind of, and I don't want to call it gimmicky. That's not the right word because that degrades the quality. But having one thing, um, I think you're curious about it. So you go and you try it. This is not a staple, right? It's no one's favorite restaurant. You, you know, they're not going for that crowd of neighborhood. We go there once a week. So I do think maybe Midtown is a good place for that sort of crowd being there. There's lots of more, you know, temporary housing of than a, a rooftops, right? So I don't know. I think there's so much in the last, you know, five to 10 years of dining and, and just noticing menus of small plates, shareable um, things that people want to taste a bunch of things that would concern me the most. I mean, I've gotten to the point where you and I dine together a lot. How how many times in the past two years that we've dined together do you get one meal and I get one meal and we walk out? Right. So it's like those are the kind of things that I think about from just a regular diner. Um, you know, is it going to wear off? Is the newness going to wear off once you've gone? Will you go back? Will you continue to just crave that one thing? Um, so yeah, I think it's interesting. Right. I mean, that's the that's the thing, right? If you're only gonna serve steak free, it's gotta be like maybe not the most awesome steak free I've ever had, but it's gotta be pretty damn good, right? And it to you know, that $30, like I said, that you know, that $30 price point sounds really appealing until you think, well, I'm definitely gonna want something to drink with it, either a cocktail or a glass of wine or a a beer or two, and then that $30 meal becomes a $50 meal before you even you even blink. And, and I wouldn't call it a steakhouse, right? Because a steakhouse has multiple cuts, ribeyes and strips and fillets and a porterhouse and all this stuff. That's not what medium rare is. It's the top sirloin. They call it, you know, they use the French word, the culotte. Mm-hmm. And and that's it. And and as a business, like you, you know, you're sort of intrigued by it, right? Because if you only serve one thing, then you cut down on your food waste, right? So your your food cost has to be pretty good because you're not wasting a lot of food because you know you're always going to sell what you've got. And also you're turning tables more quickly because people don't have to linger over the menu trying to figure out what they're going to order. Like sit down, how many of you, how many vegetarians, boom, bam, you know, you're, you've ordered within probably five minutes of sitting down. So they turn the tables a little more quickly. They get diners in and out a little more quickly. So for all of those reasons, I like, it makes sense to me as a business, but no, I I think you're right. It's, it's like, how often, how often are you and I going to look at each other or how often are are, our group texts going to light up with someone being like, you know, Tonight's the night. Let's do steak frites. Like, let's go to medium rare. Like, I, I, I wonder about that. But, but it's obviously it's been successful. It's been very successful in, in DC. They have three locations, so clearly some people feel that way. I just we may not be the right audience for this. That's true. It's true. And we're gonna go. We're gonna try it. You know, the, the French fries better be damn good because you know I know I'm very picky about French fries. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I do think it's funny that it's opening in the same, you know, the mix in Midtown, which is where. Gen Korean barbecue is, which is also, it's it's not quite the same thing. It's it's an all you can eat Korean barbecue format, but it's also priced at about thirty bucks plus drinks. And and every time I drive past that place, I just feel like I see people standing outside, like waiting to get in. So that's been very successful. But it's got so much more variety, right? You can you can get all these different cuts, and you can get table side, and it's it's kind of an experience. And so I I do wonder about 
on any given night, like, are there 150 people or whatever or more in Midtown, you know, or passing through Midtown that are like, let's do, you know, steak night tonight. Maybe there, I mean, maybe there are, maybe there are, maybe, you know, but. There's a website like that has it's a, it used to be i don't know if it's still up it's like steak night in houston tonight right where you just go on and all it does is has everybody's like the nights they have steak steak nights so right. maybe like steak night is every night and just hop around but yeah I, it's interesting what you said from a business perspective i hadn't thought about you know are they just making so much more money because of all the other financial factors that you mentioned that it doesn't matter if they have you know a packed house every single night um, but yeah, interesting. You know, I think it's funny too, from a real estate perspective, and I hadn't really realized this until now, but lots of out of town concepts, franchises like they're not, maybe it's not a franchise owner operated, but lots of, um, restaurants that come into Houston, they'll go into Midtown first. And I don't know if it's from a real estate perspective that, you know, from a location perspective, it's Midtown, it's right in the middle. It should be, but it's just such an interesting neighborhood. I lived in Midtown for several years in my twenties and kind of watched that first wave of pub fiction and that, you know, revitalization. Um, and it just has been so dynamic since then, right? It's like comes and goes and you've got the clubs and you've got the bars and they go out and the restaurants come in. And, um, and, and so I'm interested to see how these out of town, a lot of these out of town concepts that say, yeah, we'll go into Midtown for our first location. And I kind of win. So I'm like, Ooh, maybe try somewhere else and then go there for the second or third. But you know, we'll see. Well, I, I mean, it's the density, right? Like it's all those, like, just yeah. think about all the apartments, all the people who in theory could walk to this restaurant on any given night if they, if they chose to dine there. And, and I think that's, you know, that's what lured. Whole Foods to that neighborhood. And of course that Whole Foods just closed a couple of weeks ago. So it, it's tricky. I mean, all right. So maybe that's not, maybe it's not a grocery shopping crowd. Maybe it is a dining out crowd. And, and maybe, you know, if you're kind of young and fun and living in Midtown, maybe steak night every night is, is what appeals to you. I mean, we'll, we'll see, but, but like I said, I'm, I'm very curious to try it uh, whenever it opens at, at whatever point next year, but yeah, definitely a little bit of skepticism because it, it is kind of a tricky I do feel like it's a tricky sell. Yeah. No, interested to see what it's like. Guess we'll find out next year. We will. All right. And then topic number three, DJ Sun is adding daily coffee survey, daily coffee service, easy for me to say, to the flat, his lounge at Montrose. It will be called Sunny Coffee at the Flat, and it will feature brews by local roaster Cruiser Coffee with food from places like Cucharita and Food Trucks. Monica, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you have been to the flat for drinks and dancing and vibes on any number of occasions. You're correct. I've been going to the flat for a long time. Kind of one of these, I think, Houston Montrose institutions and obviously associated with DJ Sonny before he took that over. Yeah, I love the flat. I think I, I don't go that often. It's not that close into my path right now, but um, I've, I've been over the, over the years in the last couple of years, see a DJ or, you know, they're having a special party. I love the flat. Do you think that you will love the flat in daylight? That is, that is the question. Will you, would you drink coffee at the flat? Would you work remotely at the flat? If that were an option that were available to you? Oh, you know, son has been um, experimenting with this concept over the past year, I guess he's done some pop-ups. He's tried some hours out. I think he's just, this is the first time he's making it official. Um, it's not in my neighborhood, so I don't know that I would go out of my way to go there to work with coffee. 
I would definitely meet a friend there if I'm um, in the area. Um, I think it's interesting. It's a cool building. One of the coolest, you know, architectural, I think, kind of save, you know, I used to do that is take over existing structures and put some retail in there. So I think from a design perspective, that's an interesting place to sit from ambiance and, um, you know, just the energy, but you're right. I mean, I think daytime going into something, you know, is a bar at night, a dance club, you know, DJs, and then having coffee. I think it's a good use of the space, um, you know, as, as real estate prices raise and price of uh, food goes up and, you know, all, everything's getting more expensive. I think operators are looking for creative ways to operate the space more often, you know, adding a late night, adding a morning. Um, and I think it's smart. Obviously, there's not a huge kitchen there to bring in outside food. A lot of the problems with having more than two or three traditional shifts is prep time and, you know, staffing and getting closing at two and opening at seven. You know, there's not a lot in between there that gives you time to to flip that and turn it around. So, um, I think it's interesting. I think, you know, the music's going to be great. You know, you know, whatever they're playing during the day while you're working, it's going to be a good playlist. Um, so I, I would definitely check it out. I think, uh, like I said, it's nowhere near my office. It's nowhere near my house, but um, I think popping over if I've got working from home one day and need something interesting, uh, I definitely would. And you know what? It's It's a great location for that. I think that kind of in between this um, you know, Allen Parkway, Montrose area, um, you've got a lot of traffic in there, right? I mean, it's right off of wall and, um, not far from Allen Parkway and Montrose. So lots of, uh, homes over there too. So, you know, I think it'll be well-received. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot about what, uh, the guys at Anvil are doing with refuge where, you know, upstairs is a cocktail bar at night and then downstairs is, an event space, uh, or during the day, uh, you know, a coffee shop and wine bar, uh, with like comfortable furniture and, and it looks pretty and they've got the patio. And, and so, you know, if it makes sense for refuge, I think it also makes sense for the flat and, and kind of on the same, the same logic that it's, you know, this kind of comfortable, nice looking space. And if you want to get some work done, you get some work done. If you want to meet a friend for an afternoon cup of coffee, that's available that it that it all kind of it all kind of comes together and so i i think i'm with you i think you know we've seen a lot of changes kind of in that west gray west dallas corridor you know we've talked about you know lagrilla moving over there we've talked about the Robata guys opening katami we've talked about and iron and and that's next to a coffee shop blendon from sugarland is is part of that with clarkwood so there's coffee in the area. There's, there's a ton of development and, and with um, more residential and, and more businesses and more everything else comes supporting businesses like coffee shops. And, and I think this could be a, a nice addition for the flat, just kind of round out what they're doing. Yeah. Change it up a little bit, get a crowd in there. Like I said, it's sitting there, right. It's sitting amongst all that traffic every morning. Might as well get some of them in there. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. You mentioned, you know, refuge and kind of what they tried to do with penny quarter originally, and just kind of remorphed it into cocktail and coffee. I think that that's a good comparison and, um, you know, both kind of mid-century modern design and buildings. And of course they're blocks away from each other at this point, but, uh, yeah. And I think too, for coffee shop, you know, ambiance, it's going to be an ambiance driven coffee shop, right? They, you know, son, you know, the music's going to be good. 
I would really be curious to know how many people that go to coffee shops daily or work in coffee shops go for the actual coffee. It's probably a pretty small percentage. Like this coffee is better than that. I think having the ambiance where maybe it's quiet and it's, it's cool um, really will drive people to something like this versus, and I don't know anything about cruiser. So I'm not saying it's not going to be because of the coffee, but other yeah, reasons. I think, I think if the coffee tastes like coffee, right? Like if it's, if it's there, there are people who can discern, the subtle differences between some of these different roasters and their flavor profiles. But I think for the most part, coffee is coffee and people, people go, people patronize different coffee shops more for the experience and the baristas that they like and the atmosphere than they do for the specific way that the the coffee tastes. Yep. I agree. All right, Monica, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Monica, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about one new place and then one place that our friend Felice would call an oldie but a goodie. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the newcomer. Let's start with Auden. This is the new restaurant in the Autry Park mixed use development, which is where Ben Berg's new spot and about Brasserie is. It's it's where a whole bunch of stuff is coming. Two restaurants from MF Sushi's Chris Kinjo, uh, a place... Uh, a restaurant and a bar from the, the Kokoro guys. Ben Berg is opening a steakhouse there. I mean, there's a lot coming to Autry Park. So, you know, Auden has uh, either the good fortune or the the bad luck to be among the very first. But whereas, like, those groups are very established. I think what's interesting about Auden is that it's it's chefs and owners. Are, they're a married couple, Kirthen and Kripa Shinoy. They, they're... Kirthen worked. Kirthen is from Houston, and and but he worked in New York. That's where he met uh, Kripa, and and then they opened Edo, the the bakery, E A D O U G H. Easy for me to say again. Last year, and and I've I've really enjoyed Edo quite a bit, and gotten to know uh, the Chinois a little bit, and so I was really excited about Auden, but but I'm not quite sure that it lived up to our expectations. So. Let me let you talk for a little bit and then and then I'll do some of the heavy lifting on maybe some of the reasons why we we left a little bit disappointed by our experience. Yeah. And and to be fair, and this was the first restaurant I had, had tried at Autry Park. I hadn't been over there since really everything's been open. Um, you know, it from from beginning, it did feel a little like brand new. Like you could tell as soon as we walked in. I mean, it was um not super crowded. I mean, we met at what seven, right? It was seven on a Thursday. yeah, and there weren't that many. Yeah, right. It was seven. It was seven o'clock, and it it filled it filled in over the course of the evening. But it did, you know, to be one of only maybe two or three tables in the place at seven o'clock is a little bit unusual. Yeah, and I think just decor wise, obviously, that's the first thing you you notice right when you come in. And it felt cozy. It did. It did sort of. I think one of us commented. It felt almost like a hotel lobby, right? And maybe that was just the association we were making with the apartments being near. Um, you know, I'll say again, as a developer, the, the height of, of, of well, retail being below or near apartments with the same developer, um, there's the benefit of a bunch of TI dollars, which is tenant improvement, right? So because- right. Which means that the landlord helps pay for the that's right. restaurant's so that's- design and 
construction. The developer can contribute more to um, the design and build of a restaurant when there's you know, six or seven stories above that, you know, is making rent. So, you know, th- with that in mind, I feel like it felt like that. It felt like the developer was maybe looking for a local concept to stick in there to kind of help with 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 build out. And that's what it looked like to me. Um, it was, I think we, we commented about this before, but the lighting, it was very bright in there, which for me, dining at seven o'clock on a Thursday night, uh, you know, I'm expecting a little bit more ambiance of um, feeling cozy and feeling like there, you know, there's lots of people around. I mean, for probably the first 30 to 40 minutes of our of our experience, we were like one of two or three tables. And again, they just opened, right? I mean, how long have they been open for service? I don't even know. A couple of weeks, a week. Right, right. Yeah, they'd only been open for a week or two when we got there. Yeah. So to be fair, I think there's probably some kinks they're still working out. You know, I think with with the food, we did try a lot. Nothing really stood out to me as, wow, I've really got to come back and, and get this again, or I've got to send a friend there and and tell them about this. So, you know, I think one of the dishes we had, Cacio e Pepe, was 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 good on my book. Um, I think the, the uh, what did we have? The... Um, I'm trying to remember. I just I just wrote everything down and I'm looking octopus. The octopus is what probably stood out for me from everything that we did have. Um, it just felt a little sporadic. Uh, even the menu itself, you know, we had asked for some recommendations from the waiter and he gave several and we took some. Um, yeah, I, I think he was nervous. I think, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we walk into places for visits like this and, and they know that we're coming and and the you know, the, the server gets told like, take care of that guy. You know, that that's really, it, it's really important that he has a good experience. And I, I just think it, whatever sort of natural rapport we might be able to form just gets undermined because they get a little nervous, but uh, yeah, no, I yeah, felt sure. it, it was awkward. It was definitely, it was an awkward sort of server interaction. I, I mean, I would say generally that I thought the like the bready kind of pasta e kind of dishes were a better fit, right? That that stracciatella cheese uh, yeah. with the grilled sourdough, I thought was pretty good. There, the bread plate that we got with the the pretzel roll and the and the focaccia, I enjoyed that. Like you said, that pasta, the cacio e pepe. I mean, with the with the fresh truffle shaved over it. You know, it's tricky because I I always want more. My my personal bias is more peppy and less cacio, and this <laughs> leaned. This was this was a pretty cheesy. Cacio e Pepe. But then there were, you know, some of the other dishes that didn't that didn't quite land. I mean, you know, we these giant, beautiful looking shrimp, but they weren't they weren't seasoned well, right? They just they didn't they didn't have a ton of, you know, you want that kind of sweetness from shrimp. I I don't remember them really having that. The sauce didn't make much of an impression. You know, these fried oysters that were sort of plated like individually, like with a sort of tweezered like uh slice of pepper on top and then a sauce, like like almost like like an oyster, like oyster as nacho, but they were small. And so they were cooked like all the way through. So they were, they were really crispy and not very juicy, which is a quality that I, I like in fried oysters. I like when they've got a little bit of juice left to them. And and then this plate of dry aged duck that had kind of the right flavor, but it was like, it was sliced so thinly. Like I usually when a restaurant does that, it's because they, they overcooked it, right? Like you and I have eaten our our fair share of barbecue. Like if you go to a barbecue place and they slice the brisket really thin, it's because there's something wrong with the brisket. Mm -hmm. And, and I, 
I kind of felt that way about that dry aged duck. It's like if you you slice me too thinly, it makes me think you're trying to hide something. And then we had we had desserts and and Creep is a very accomplished pastry chef and that you know that chocolate mousse thing that we had was was fantastic and I, oh yeah no, you know I I I kind of go back for that and then the the cocktails were fantastic I mean you know Alexis Bajaris who was at uh, the general manager of Julep for a few years is is now consulting and this is one of the this is one of her new projects so you know your Parmesan martini you know my old fashioned they sent us a a whole bunch of other drinks to try I mean I I enjoyed almost all of them so I. You know, it's not that there's nothing to recommend here, but it's it, it's just that we go to these new restaurants and they seem so polished out of the gate, and and then we're sort of looking at you know we we go to this new place and it's it's too bright and and the server is nervous and and the execution on the food is is uneven and it's like it's tough because people go to these places early and they want to be impressed and they they want to kind of fall in love with the place. You know, we used to give restaurants a try, right? Like, oh, you know, if you go in the first couple of months, you know, it could be a work in progress. You'll go back, you'll you'll go, you know, maybe two or three times if, if it's close to you and you kind of, you know, if you find some things you like and maybe you find some things that need some improvement. I don't know that people give places that many chances anymore. I think it's kind of like new places are opening so quickly that it's it's hard to keep up and and a new restaurant might only get that one chance. And And I... I feel sort of a professional obligation to go back to Auden and and give it another shot, but I I wouldn't be surprised if you feel differently. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you and I probably eat out maybe a lot more on average than other people, but you're right. There's so many options out there, even in just that Autry Park, right? (laughs) Once everything's open there, I don't know that I would pick Auden again if I'm going back to Autry Park. Um, but, but yeah, I, I agree. I think maybe first, I wouldn't call them first time operators, but first time operators of this scale and this size, um, of an executed menu, they just need to work some kinks out. Lovely people. They came out and chatted, um, obviously wish them the best. Um, I think you're right. We're so used to, and a lot of the places we've been to this year, first time have been very experienced operators. I mean, Ben Berg could open a restaurant with his hands tied behind his back. Um, and and so it's we're a little spoiled in that the places we're going to we're we're uh, expecting to be that polished and and you're right I think look I would try it again I think having sitting at the bar and maybe having cocktails and sharing a pasta wouldn't be bad I think when the residential fills in there um, it'll be a good kind of lobby bar ex, you know experience right I mean you come down you have some drinks you have some dinner. Um, I think that may work to sustain them. And, and look, I hope they figure the menu out. I think that it was a little confusing just looking at the menu. There were so many big, bold dishes, so many entrees. You know, you and I even had some, you know, what do we get? Should we get this? Should we get the duck? Should we get, you know, there's a couple of pastas, there's a steak, there's a pork, there's duck, which I do like variety, but it felt like there wasn't really a natural progression to pull me to one dish or the other. Yeah. And there wasn't like a consistent perspective. And, you know, I, I, I feel sort of silly dwelling on prices when these new restaurants that open are all kind of at a similar price point, but you know, when the cocktails are 18 bucks or 22, you know, one of them was 22 when the duck dish is 46 and the pasta and then the pasta had a a pretty generous shaving of black truffle on it, but $55 or $40 for for scallops, I mean, all this stuff, it adds up really fast. And so 
you know, if you're going to spend 150 or $200 on dinner for two, you want it to be really memorable. And, and, and I think that's, you know, that's the, that's the challenge, right. With all of the changes that we've seen since the pandemic, right. Wages went up. So ingredients went up, everything went up. So, you know, the cost to build the restaurant went up. So the price point has come up, but then you've got to, then you've got to deliver it at, at a, you know, at a fine dining kind of price point when, when what you really wanted to open was a casual neighborhood bistro. And so it's, I just think it's, I think it's tough and, and I'm not, I'm not unsympathetic. And and like I said, I, I, I have a feeling that the Chinois worked for some great chefs in New York. They've been planning this restaurant for a long time. I I think Auden is probably a better restaurant than what we experienced. But if I had to judge it just based on what we, if I, if I were a normal person who, who only tried a new restaurants occasionally, I would understand if someone was like, nah, once I'm good. Once, once is good. I, I mean, I will go back, but, but I would understand the other, the other side of that. Yeah. And I think they're in a good location. I think standalone somewhere, not by a bunch of restaurants, not by residential, this would be a really hard sell. I think being in the midst of other restaurants, you know, walking in, popping in, if something's full, we're going to go next door. You've got residents all around. Um, you know, I think that will serve them well. Um, I would be more nervous if they were more of a came out single, you know, freestanding, not near other things, but, um, you know, I wish him the best and, um, maybe we'll pop back for one of those cocktails. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, uh, that Parmesan martini, if, if nothing else, I'd go back for one of those caviar on top. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. And then just briefly, we, we had a very special dinner at state of grace last week and, and we don't talk about state of grace very often. It's, you know, it's a fine dining ish river Oaks restaurant. That's been around for more than eight years. So it's, you know, we, we tend to do new around these parts. Senior. Uh, senior. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to believe that state of grace is, is almost 10 years old, but Bobby Matos, who's the, the culinary director for, for all of those restaurants, you know, they're all part of Ford fries restaurants here in Houston. So that includes La Lucha and Superica. They're opening a new restaurant pretty soon devoted to in, in early next year, devoted to like grilled chicken. It should be pretty interesting, but we hadn't, we hadn't, we hadn't been in for a full meal at state of grace in a while. And we sat at the chef's counter and they just showed off for us, right? It's a custom one-off menu with a bunch of dishes that you like can't get normally. And, and who knows, like, who knows if they could recreate that menu for other people that, you know, if you, if you showed them my pictures from that night and said, <laughs> you know, I want the, I want the uh, shiso wrapped uh, tempura fried shrimp. I want the, the dry aged steak that you bought. The chef went and chef John went and bought uh, two dry aged ribeyes from his local H E B because <laughs> state of grace doesn't serve dry aged beef on its regular menu. You know, if you, if you took all of those dishes in total, I, I don't know that that meal could have been created the, you know, could they recreate that meal for somebody else? I don't know, but it's a it's a restaurant that I've been going to since since the very beginning, and I've always enjoyed my meals there. And to to just sit at that chef's counter where you watch the guys working that giant wood burning oven and grill they call it a hearth. It's just a really fun meal, and and it was a nice kind of counterbalance to uh, having been odd in a couple of weeks before and seeing a new restaurant kind of still finding itself like. 
let, let's go to the old restaurant that knows exactly what they do. They do it well. And, and here's the reminder that, that this is maybe even a little bit underrated in terms of like being one of the, the very best restaurants in Houston. Yeah, it's consistently. Absolutely. I would put them on that list. You know, they're look, they're the upperclassmen at this point, right. Of a fine dining restaurant in Houston. And, you know, I take people there from out of town. You, you don't have to worry about the experience. You don't have to worry about the food. You know, it's going to be great every time you go. I had personally never sat at the chef's table, chef's counter before it was just lovely. I mean, even just the, the, the intimate group of people we had, there was five of us, six, five or six of us, five of us. Uh, Five of us kind of back tucked in, still kind of in the dining room space area. Um, food was was great, you know, and I think what's so special about Seda Grace is and maybe most people don't know that, you know, Ford Fries went went to high school across the street. But Lamar, he's kind of a local guy. Um, you know, it it's just effortless. It doesn't feel like they're ever trying to promote something special or follow a trend. It's just that tried and true, you know, you're going to have a great experience. It feels good in there. I love the lighting in there. I love the sound. There's three distinct spaces. There's the main, well, probably four. If you count the bar, you've got the bar, you've got the oyster room, you've got the main dining room and you've got the chef's counter. And it's like whatever you're feeling that night. Um, but you're right. I think we forget about, and, and, you know, and, and when we have restaurants opening every other day, it seems like everyone wants to try something new, but State of Grace is one of those places for me, at least that you just know it's, it's your tried and true standard and you don't have to think about it. And when you don't feel like thinking about what you want to eat that night, let's go to State of Grace. It's going to be great. It's great for happy hour. It's great for a late dinner. You know, it just feels it's right in the middle of River Oaks. It's in a strip center and a beautiful, like old, you know, mid-century kind of the, the, the front of that building and just the, what they've done with the, the oyster bar room is just feels good, right? It just feels like an old boyfriend, right? Just you're just familiar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would have gone with a comfortable pair of jeans, uh, maybe, but you know, I think I think we we as the audience just learned something about you, Monica Dana. But I, uh, uh, but yes, I think I think there is, you know, I, I was in I was in the oyster room recently for a happy hour meeting, and crushed a seafood tower. Uh, drank a couple cocktails, went on about my merry way. It's it's not a restaurant I go to very often, but it is. But but I've never I've never had a bad experience there, and 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 I know that it's it's consistently good, right? Because you you know people say oh it's consistent. Well, you could be consistently bad, but <laughs> but you know state of grace is not state of grace is consistently very good to excellent, and and it's always there for you. And and I just we had we had a fantastic dinner, and and thanks to to Bobby and and Chef John and the whole team cuz cuz it was a a memorable evening and and uh I'm glad we I'm glad we get to sort of balance out our our audit experience with uh with a better meal. Yeah, no, I agree. We it was a really special night. All right, Monica, I'm going to say that does it for the restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me again. That does it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. Join me on Thursday when my guests will be Elise Wilson and Paul Petronella from Camerata.